Hey everyone, and welcome to Radically Normal. This is Michael, and I'm here with Andre, and on today's episode, we'll be discussing 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We hope you enjoy the conversation. What's up, guys? This is Andre, and uh, we're excited to record today. And uh, interestingly enough, I had a a really uh, interesting dream last night. Um, Probably had the dream because I slept in a little late. Uh, you know, resting up after a long, long week of work. But basically the dream was, um, and I'm sorry for hearing this, uh, brother, but uh, had a dream that our uh, our, our buddy Grant uh, proposed and, and that his uh, girlfriend said no. And it <laughs> kind, of, kind of scared me a little bit. And I kind of woke up and that's when I texted Michael and said, uh, you know, I'm awake, but I'm going back to bed. <laughs> Well, it's actually funny because we're uh, we're recording this right now on Saturday, the fifth, and Grant is supposed to propose in just a f- two to three hours. So we'll see if Andre's dream is prophetic or not. Hopefully, it's not. I don't think it will be, but you know, spent some time reading Second uh, Corinthians um, around the same time, so maybe it was prophetic. We'll see. I don't well. think so. <laughs> I think uh, this this time next week we're gonna we're gonna have a a friend uh, uh, that's engaged potentially. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. Well, we don't know if the dream was certain, but in in uh, honor of the cheesy intros to or segues to the chapter, we do know what is certain, and that's this chapter. So. Oh, kind no. of connected. <laughs> so kind of connecting it to last week before I have Andre jump in and start it off for us. In chapter 9, we continued our discussion from chapter 8 about Paul's encouragement to the Corinthian church to be generous um, and to support this collection for Christians in Jerusalem. We talked about the well-known verse about how God loves a cheerful giver. We talked about how there's a, uh, there's a generosity that is... Uh, shown in the hearts of the believers towards God, and that leads to God's glory. And Paul concludes that chapter thanking God for the gift of the generosity and the the ability to participate in that mission of the church. But now we kind of turn the corner and we get to a new section of the book. We're no longer focused on generosity. It's focused, Paul kind of goes into more of an offensive mode, uh, whereas he'd been kind of seeking reconciliation previously. Now he's really going on the offensive against who we're going to see our these quote-unquote super apostles. So as we get into chapter 10, we're kind of turning a corner, new section of the book. Andre, what do we see as we begin the new chapter? Oh, saying that Paul's going on the on the offensive is, is an understatement uh, because <laughs> as we uh, ramp up in, in chapter 10 and, and then also next week in chapter 11, we're going to see uh, Paul really give, as it says here in the title of this chapter, defense of his ministry. Um, and you know, he, he kicks it off right off in, in, in verse 1, uh, saying how they call him timid when he's with them, uh, but bold when he's away. And, you know, what he means by that is um, when he's away, he's the, the boldness that they're uh, attributing to him there is is kind of harshness in some of his letters, that the 1.5 Corinthian letter, the, the, the letters to the Corinthians that we do have, we've talked about extensively uh, where he's calling them out for, for their sin. And uh, you know, he's, he's kind of trying to, to steer them back into the right direction, uh, make sure they're doing what's right, living according um, to God's um, plan um, and God's will. 
and and Paul's saying, you know, it's not that he's timid when he when he's when he's with them, but he, he kind of, you know, throws a jab and says, uh, you know, you say these things, but but it's it's not that he you know he 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 start he starts off with saying that um, it's by his humility and 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 gentleness, which he's mirroring after Christ, and that kind of ties into his his timidness because of uh, you know kind of how Christ calls us to to be gentle, um, to have humility, to be meek, um, and and he's saying that you know if he does come, it has to be bold. Then you know he hopes that that's not the case because. He, that because the reason for that would be that they're not living according to God's will, um, but instead um, living uh, by the standards of the world, right? And so he's kind of he's kind of starting off right off the bat um, and calling out and making a defense for one of the things that they are um, claiming to be one of his downfalls and one of the reasons why uh, they are um, mischaracterizing his ministry and, and also um, potentially looking towards other places and other people, these super apostles that Michael has uh, brought up. Yeah, it's really good. And I just want to say before we get further into the passage, that one of the reasons Paul has to defend his ministry, and it's different because when we get to chapter 11 next week, there's going to be a lot about like, Paul talks about he's stepping into the foolishness of the false teachers, the false apostles that are in that church, that have visited that church. And so he's going to begin to boast in a more worldly fashion as well. But it's interesting or worth noting what's at stake. Like if Paul doesn't boast and defend his ministry, uh, and this is different from us today because we're not apostles, but the apostolic authority is at stake. And when they were determining in the, in the first few hundred years of the church, what, especially in the first couple hundred, what would be canonized, like what would be actually the books of the Bible that Christians hold as inerrant and inspired by God that we should like uh, actually learn from as though God had delivered them uh, to to us directly. And one of those one of those was apostolic authority. Are they written by an apostle? So he's defending his apostolic authority. And so if his authority is questioned, then really the gospel's questioned, because apostles were the ones that were directly carrying the gospel forward from Jesus. And so it's necessary for there to be a, a defense of his reputation because the gospel's at stake there. That's really good. And it, and it kind of you know, ties to... Really, what we've been what we've been talking about uh, uh, this kind of whole season, um, and the defenses that that Paul has made um, all the way back from the beginning of the season, we talked about how um, Paul uh, started off the letter by saying that uh, he was uh, an apostle of Christ, and, and that you know it was, um, Christ, that Christ chose him. Well, we see later on, just just a few weeks ago, if, if not even last week. Um, and in the, the past uh, two weeks, actually, I think, where, where Paul is talking about the giving and, and how he says um, that he is going to um, make sure that his integrity um, is held up and uh, in the, the watching of, of the gifts and making sure that, you know, no one thinks that he's just lining his own pockets. And, and we kind of get a little more of that um, here today as, as we see um, Paul is is um, defending some of the claims that they've made about him, some of the problems that um, they might have with him. Um because ultimately, as we see uh, throughout, his primary um, purpose for writing and, and for uh, discipling them and for, you know, being the leader over them is not so much that, you know, he wants to boast in, in all of the things that he's doing or because, um, you know, he might think that 
Uh, no one can do it better than him or any of those kinds of things. But instead, we, we see this, this deep tie, this care, um, the love that he has that uh, we've seen um, in previous chapters uh, to where, you know, he cares for uh, them to to live as they should and and for, uh, you know, this gift of salvation to not just pass them by, as, as we see um, Paul say. So, um, you know, jumping back into, uh, you know, the passages here, um, I just wanted to make one other quick uh, remark, but that is that you're going to, you might hear Michael and I make a lot of uh, connections to chapter 11, and that's because <laughs> we actually prepared both of these chapters uh, um, in preparation of, um, you know, some uh, traveling that might uh, have to go on the next few weeks where, you know, just <laughs> get some of the stuff um, done a little bit early. So we've been, you know, preparing a little bit in advance. So you might hear us uh, talking uh, quite a bit, making some connections to, to chapter 11 and beyond. So uh, that that's going to be a, a, a little bit a little bit different than, than what, what you normally hear. Yeah, usually we're looking back and not looking forward. But so looking at the text again, in verse 3, it's interesting because he says, uh, they walk in the flesh. He's not saying we walk in sinfulness, as flesh is often used in New Testament, but flesh in the sense of we just have limited bodies. We're limited in these uh, bodies that are in a world of brokenness. And then he says, but we're not waging war according to the flesh. And I love verse four. In fact, when I first started memorizing scripture, uh, like five years ago, this is one of the very first verses I memorized. Uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. That the way that the Christian fights is not according to worldly things or limitations, but things that are spiritual realities. And so uh, this leads into verse 5, that that he uses this spiritual power and these uh, heavenly uh, options or ways of warfare to fight against different philosophies and attacks that come against the Christian faith. And this is where we get, and this could be like our third episode on misconstrued verses, but verse five, he says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So the knowledge of God in Jesus crucified, that's clear in all of Paul's writing. And he says, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so this is about if different philosophies, like at the Epicureans or the Stoics that Paul argues with in the book of Acts, like if any of those things are raised up against the gospel, and in particular from these super apostles that he's focusing on, like we want to go to battle with that. And so he says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. So most people take that to mean like, oh, if I have a angry thought that's unjustified, or if I have a lustful thought, like I need to take it captive, make it obedient to Christ and uh, flush it out of my mind. And that's true. And Paul does teach things along those lines elsewhere in the elsewhere in his letters. But that's not what this verse means. This verse means every thought that is in opposition to the gospel, Paul wants to take captive and make it obedient to speak the gospel to it so that it might become obedient to Jesus. And so that's misconstrued verses volume three. Not to be mistaken with volumes one and two, which you should definitely <laughs> uh, go take go take a listen to, because uh, I think that they are uh, pretty awesome episodes. Wait, just but to yeah, cut in real quick, just to cut in real quick. Speaking of going back and listening to other episodes, if you haven't listened to our episode with Dr. Kyung Jin Lee, in the last month we've gotten more downloads for her interview on the importance of Deuteronomy than any other episode. So clearly, it's uh, some people have taken to it, and so I just encourage you to go listen to that. It was really good. Yeah, it was really good. And, and, you know, I don't really know if there's many uh, audio type resources out there on the book of Deuteronomy. And that might be a reason why uh, that's the case. But it was a super insightful episode and, and you should definitely go uh, listen to it. Or you should, you know, if this is your first episode, you should go and listen to uh, 
all of our episodes, but just to listen to the first five or six because those are significantly not as high quality. <laughs> but with that, jumping back into uh, you know verses uh, three through six here, um, I think it's really great, and and Michael really hit on this, but uh, the main thing that that Paul is going at here is that as we're going to see with these uh, these super apostles, these newcomers that are coming in and they are, you know, giving this account of themselves and of what they claim to be the gospel, that's incorrect. And what Paul is saying is that, you know, he wants them to be strong. Uh, you know, we've uh, heard it, we've seen him, um, that he wrote that, you know, he, that, you know, he boasts um, because of them and, um you know, and his deep care for them also. And he doesn't want them to fall victim um, to not, uh, you know, fortifying their hearts, fortifying, fortifying their minds with these weapons uh, for spiritual warfare. And uh, he's, he's warning them here that, um, you know, while he does want to have reconciliation, while he does want to make a defense for himself and a defense for um, his apostleship and for the gospel, you know, he he doesn't he wants to make sure that you know they have what they need uh, to not fall victim to this and then also as michael said that they are making these thoughts obedient to christ and that you know these things that are that are coming up and and spring up and in, in um in corinth that uh, they're not going to fall victim to these things yeah that's really good and so moving on a little bit later kind of he kind of continues similar themes but Again, we in verse 8, we're really going to look forward to chapter 11 again because he talks about, for even if I boast a little too much, well, he's going to do that a lot more coming up here. So in verse 7, he, he uh, is really talking again to unity. Like, if you think you're in Christ, like that you belong to Christ, remind, ourself, remind yourselves that, like, we are too. And so what you have been, like, uh, misled by is not consistent with the gospel and so he's saying, like, I won't be ashamed, and I've been given this authority. And he doesn't want to appear, again, as Andre said earlier, to be different in letter than he would be in person. And that's what he says again in verse 10. They say that his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak. But he's saying he holds to the same truths, the same actions, whether he's in person or through letter. And what does he want? He doesn't want the gospel. His main purpose in boasting or in pushing back against dark forces is solely for the spread of the gospel against false gospels and against false teachings about Jesus. And as an implication of that, he wants unity and reconciliation with his brothers and sisters in the Lord in Corinth. That's, that's really good. And another point, or maybe a, um, a second interpretation that that kind of I uh, uh, read about and 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 kind of also liked is is he's saying here kind of on the same passage that, that Michael's talking about uh, verse verses seven and and, and eight and nine um, and kind of that area. If anyone is confident um, that uh, he belonged to Christ uh, or that they belong to Christ, he's kind of speaking. You know, uh, these these people who are coming, these super apostles, they're they're saying that they belong to Christ, right? He's saying, you know, don't forget that. You know, he's saying himself, Paul, uh, belongs to Christ. And he, he's, you know, and as he's talking about this boasting, we kind of remember, we can remember back to where Paul has talked about boasting before and how uh, the boasting is, you know, he's saying that the proof is in um, the fact that this church is, is in Corinth is, is, is there and that he had um, been the one to lead and, and to help start it. Um, and that, you know, he is uh, called by Christ to be an, an apostle there. 
And so he's saying, you know, don't forget that that himself, Paul, is the one who uh, helped uh, start that church and that, you know, he too belongs uh, to Christ. And that is is what he's going to boast in. And, and we're going to get a little bit more into uh, the boasting here. But in chapter 11, like Michael said, but uh, continuing on here, he kind of goes back to um, this thing and we can tell it's it's weighing on him and it's it's been weighing on him, but that the uh, those in Corinth are saying that his letters are so forceful, but in person, uh, he's timid. He's not that the greatest of a speaker. And uh, Paul uh, here is saying, you know, he's he's really quoting quoting them uh, and saying that some some might say that he's unimpressive. I mean, it amounts to nothing in his speaking. Um, uh, but but he's saying that you know he he goes on to say that his letters really were this guide for them, and that you know we know that uh, in previous chapters we've talked about how he meant those in love, and how uh, even though they might have even caused him um, hurt, that you know they felt that these were forceful. He knew that in the end they caused them to uh, kind of uh, change their ways to repent, and that overall that brought them closer together. And that was what his uh, intent was and that, you know, ultimately uh, Christ was glorified because of these letters and and that brought him uh, joy. That's so good. That's so good. And let's talk about one other thing that Paul loves. And that is to the excitement of basically no listeners, but of, of relevance here, the book of Jeremiah, because in verse eight, he talks about how the Lord has given this authority and has allowed for what's going on right now for building the church up and not for destroying. And in Jeremiah 24, verse 6, the Lord says how he will build them up, Israel, the people of God, and not tear them down. And Paul understands the people of God to be in congruence with Israel. That's why in Galatians 6, he refers to the Jews and the Gentiles in Jesus as the Israel of God. But in Jeremiah 24, the Lord says he's going to build them up and not tear them down. We kind of get an illusion here. And then in verse 17, to kind of skip ahead a lot, but we'll be going through the, the other verses, Paul quotes, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And that's from Jeremiah 9, where uh, in verse 23, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Uh, and he goes on in verse 24, let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight. And so Paul's really pulling in a lot of Jeremiah to make his case. The Lord is seeking to build them up through the gospel, and the one who boasts isn't to boast in the worldly pleasures or worldly attributes, but boasting in knowing God. And Paul's saying, I know God because I know Jesus crucified, and that's how I'm living my life. Like, my pattern of life shows that I know God through his Son. And then also, you know, as kind of we go back a little bit um, and kind of hit a few of the verses that uh, that we uh, kind of, you know, went over as, as, as Michael made that, that connection there. Yeah, just like six um, verses, Skip, Jeremiah, no problem. But... <laughs> no, but it's okay because we're going to hit them a little bit right now. <laughs> and one of the points I wanted to I wanted to make about those was um, super interestingly that as we talked about in a previous episode uh, during the season, uh, that these newcomers had these letters of recommendation, right? And so Paul is kind of saying here in verse 12, uh, he doesn't even want to begin to try to compare himself or, you know, defend himself directly to these people who are commending himself, he's, he says, uh, meaning these uh, um, letters of recommendation. He's saying that how those 
uh, and we've kind of seen him make this point before, but now he's he's reiterating it, um, how those who are measuring themselves or comparing themselves uh, to themselves are basically to this like unknown letter of recommendation. He's they're kind of calling him out for not having something like this, not um, being as 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 you know boastful in person or as forceful in person as he is uh, by letter. But he's saying that um, he's talking about his his sphere of service. Um, that God has assigned him to. And he's saying that that includes them, that, you know, he is to be the leader of this church. And that is his letter of recommendation as, as we've talked about in a previous episode. And he's, he's reiterating that point here and reminding them um, much as he did uh, right before this, that um, he belongs to Christ, but also that they are tied together and that they have this relationship um, that God um, has ordained. Um and that, you know, he, he doesn't even need to compare himself to, to these newcomers because uh, they themselves know uh, how pivotal um, the relationship between them that, that God has, has set up in this way, how pivotal that was to them, to their lives changing, to, um, you know, them really uh, seeing what it is to, to follow Christ, um, you know, through Paul's example, but then also through uh, his teaching. Yeah, and so kind of going off of the verses Andre is talking about, um, it's interesting because, and guess what the people are missing? We haven't had it in weeks, months even, is Mike's history lesson. And that's because we don't really live in an honor society more, honor society anymore. Like honor's not as big a deal as it would have been in Greece or in Rome in the ancient days in the classical period. And so there, it was an honor shame culture. Patronage was a big deal that has, that influences how Paul's going to talk about in later chapters uh, not accept, I think in chapter 11, actually, but accepting, not accepting money for uh, his preaching. And this is important because basically if honor is such a big deal, there's limited honor basically to go around. And so uh, Garland talks about this in his commentary really well, but he talks about how like self-boasting was actually considered something like an act of honor because you are trying to like gain a following for yourselves and you're trying to uh, lift up your own honor. And Paul and the Corinth, the Corinthian church is really steeped in all these cultural messes and understandings of, of what's right and what's helpful to one's honor and everything. And Paul understands honor completely differently, that it only comes through suffering for Jesus and being weak and so that Jesus's glory can shine through that. So there's Mike's history lesson, but connected to the verses Andre is talking about. That's, that's really good. And, and then the last uh, kind of funny point that I had about uh, this section before we get to the, the last uh, two verses when we go back to um, verse 17 and 18, but uh, in, in verse 15, where he says, neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of the work done by others. I think that was really funny. And it was kind of a, a, a jab, I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Paul's kind of saying, you know, they're coming in and, and uh, you know, boasting in themselves and, and making these claims that they need to be followed and that, you know, that, that Paul is, is the one who's in the wrong and that, you know, Paul has it all wrong. And, um, but he's saying, you know, they're boasting over here in this, in this, um, this work that's, that's, that's done by others, uh, uh, to, you know, twofold they're they're claiming, um, you know, the work here done in Corinth, uh, they're kind of saying that, you know, Paul not responsible for that not an, not truly an apostle, that kind of thing. But then also, um, you know, the work that's being done, they're, they're taking credit for them themselves and not uh, giving the credit uh, to God um, in, 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 in the work that they're, they're claiming uh, to be doing that, that Paul's kind of addressing here. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And it's interesting because 
Paul's always talking about like doing work either a without another foundation, like nobody else's foundation. He wants to like start afresh. And he's talked about that in other letters as well. And then he's also always talking about going where the gospel hasn't been heard. Like at the end of Romans, he's talking about going beyond Rome to Spain because nobody's heard the gospel. Like you think of Romans 10, uh, always used to talk about evangelism because it says like, how can they believe if they haven't heard the word? If they haven't heard the gospel, how are these people going to come to faith? And how are they going to hear it if nobody's sent? And so uh, he's always wanting to go on these missionary journeys where the gospel hasn't been preached before. And so, again, we get, as Andre was alluding to back to 17, we get this quote of Jeremiah about proper boasting in the Lord and what the Lord has sovereignly done. But Paul's focus is he wants to be on mission and he wants his foundation and his authority to be rooted uh, in Corinth, or he wants his authority to be like, be present at Corinth so they know the truth of the gospel. But he doesn't want to stop in Corinth. He wants to keep going to take the gospel um, to other places. And so we end the chapter, verse 18. Andre, you can talk again if you have another point. But in verse 18, he says, for it's not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one who the Lord commends. Like in the same idea of we only boast in the Lord, we only get our approval from the Lord. And so it kind of goes along with Galatians 1, where he says he's no longer seeking the approval of man, for if not, he would not be a, if he were, he would not be a servant of Christ. And so the same thing is true for us. Um, the approval and the commendation is given from God and from nobody else. That's really good. And I think that, you know, he just ties it all really well together. And um, we know that, um, you know, one one big thing about Paul that he's also defending here is that he's defending himself as a missionary. That Michael, you talked about that really well. Um, so I kind of leave it at that. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and check back in next week uh, to chapter 11, which, you know, we'll um, obviously, as, as I said, be making a lot of connections back to chapter 10 and, and uh, you'll hear about some of the things that um, what we've kind of alluded to, uh, but check us out on Instagram at Radically Normal Pod and send Q&A questions via uh, Instagram DM or our email or anything as that's coming up in a few weeks. And I'm sure some of you have some questions, so don't be shy. Uh, but uh, it was a pleasure talking through second in the chapter 10. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode.